Hello, and welcome to another DMN podcast. I'm Elise Dupre, Managing Editor of DMN, and I'm excited to welcome Jeremy Swift, co-founder and CEO of Cordial. Cordial is an adaptive messaging platform provider that works with a number of brands, including Teleflora and La Quinta Inn and Suites, and it seems like its work environment lives up to its name. Cordial was a winner in DMN's Best Places to Work competition in the small-sized business category, and it received perfect scores from its employees in a number of areas, including work structure, collaboration, and creativity. Jeremy Swift, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, Jeremy, as mentioned, your employees cited a lot of different things they love about Cordial, but what, in your opinion, makes it both a great place to work and really an innovator in the space? Yeah, I think first and foremost, we're, we're super, super humbled by that. Um, I think any time that your team is responsible for uh, kind of sharing that stuff publicly uh, or in a, in a private environment that then is in turn going to resonate with something uh, public like this, yeah, it's a super, super humbling thing as a, as a, as a CEO and as a founder to, to be a part of that. So I, I think there's a number of things that I think organization-wide that we do, but it really is a byproduct of every single one of the individuals. I don't know that there's any one thing that we uh, try and cascade down within the organization. And part of that is because we have kept ourselves fairly flat in terms of org structure and, and what we've tried to facilitate there. And, uh, I think just creating an environment where everybody's ideas are welcomed, uh, and uh, I think there's opportunities for uh, I think people to drive culture within the business as opposed to uh, just riding the wave of culture that is created uh, by by a individual or by a founding team or by a CEO or whatever. But that's been one of the most exciting things for me in seeing the growth that we've gone through. We've grown the organization in terms of number of folks within the company uh, by 4x here in 2017. And that can feel like a kind of wild bull to be able to, to wrangle on some level, but it's been so fun and so exciting to be able to see all of this new energy and blood come into the organization and how they have uh, carried forward our culture, uh, adapted our culture, and uh, built upon it. Uh, that's really fun for me as a leader to be able to see that when people take the kind of base foundation that you've created within a business and they say, all right, how do we extend this? How do we continue to make this better? And how do we make it our own? Uh, which that's the individuality piece of this that comes into this is you've got individuals coming into a company and you want to create an environment, foster an environment where that individuality uh, can weave itself into the kind of brand ethos that you have, the culture that you have established. But like I said, continue to extend that as well. Definitely. And wow, 4X. So let's go back to the early days of Cordial. How did you guys kind of yeah. come up with the name Cordial, and how did the business even get started? Yeah, yeah, it's it's actually, a it, to me, it's a super fun uh, kind of story or narrative behind that. It, it actually has uh, roots to uh, a really wonderful old film uh, called Mary Poppins. Uh, I'm uh, a father of four young kids myself, and so uh, I've become uh, much more accustomed and familiar with that film all over again um, as a father um, of these four kids. But uh, it actually came from that, where when we were uh, trying to develop and come up with names in the second story of a, of a local coffee shop here in San Diego, California, uh, there was this scene where Mary Poppins is uh, giving uh, medicine uh, to the two kids. And uh, there's this moment where she gives it to them and 
tastes like uh, strawberry and lime cordial, uh, to use, uh, give it a little British accent there. And then Mary Poppins says it tastes like rum punch. And uh, so uh, the word cordial obviously came from one of those responses. And it was this idea that uh, there's an there was an individualized experience completely tailored to each one of the individuals in that scene. And so that was a big draw to that. We thought, oh, that's super contextualized to what we're building. We're, we were going to setting off to go build something that was creating really individualized, true one-to-one customer experiences through the data and personalization that we drive with our platform. But we loved then the definition of cordial. You know, it spawns uh, words like joyfulness and uh, friendliness and helpfulness and coming into marketing technology and SaaS and a, and a category that really grown tremendously over the last 15 to 20 years, we loved the idea of bringing kind of that, that nature, if you will, not just in a name, but pervasive throughout the people within the company um, of Cordial into a market like that where it's highly transactional. It, it feels very cutthroat at times, meaning it's highly competitive and uh, marketers and buyers are constantly changing platforms and a big piece of that can often be the service that they feel like they're receiving within that. So we just felt like cordial as a name wasn't just, uh, wasn't just a cool word, but it really for us was, uh, was a moniker that we could build, uh, the business internally around in terms of our, uh, kind of mission and values that we stand for as a business, but then something that we, uh, we believe that we could hopefully carry very uh, loudly externally to a market that we believe is looking for a cordial experience. They're looking for to find joy and helpfulness and gratitude in uh, the people and the software and the experience that they're having. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the long form of, of where this all came from. What a fun story. So, Rum Punch and Strawberry were never in the running then. <laughs> Uh, there was dialogue about those, I won't lie, but uh, plenty of reasons why we didn't uh, land on either of those. So. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about adaptive messaging, considering Cordial is an adaptive messaging platform provider. What does this exactly mean to you, and how has adaptive messaging really changed in the past year? Yeah, it's it's a tremendous question, and candidly, it's one we get asked often because uh, we initially came into the market to really kind of shake up the email service provider ecosystem or landscape. And uh, so that's what we started doing is being this very different kind of next generation approach to how brands could think about uh, scaling their their email marketing efforts at a at kind of the highest level of businesses and brands out there uh, kind of competing against a lot of the big marketing clouds, uh, if you will, in terms of that email infrastructure side of it. But uh, this has never been just about being kind of a next generation uh, uh, email service provider either. That's why we uh, have really kind of coined this phrase of adaptive messaging because for us, we be- we believe and see marketing uh, very clearly through how uh, brands and customers are evolving. It's not strictly about having siloed channels that you distribute uh, messages to your customers through being email or mobile or uh, via a website or uh, even down to things like uh, connected products that brands are starting to roll out uh, and kind of bring into market and then being 
very pervasive down into point of sale for kind of uh, more bricks and mortar brands that have that as a channel. So uh, for us, it was then about how do you create a holistic experience for the brand uh, in terms of the data and then the content that's driving a personalized experience that is consistent across all of those channels. Just so happened that email was the channel that we, we launched with first because we had really, really strong backgrounds and expertise within that category of the last 17 years um, of our professional careers. And so we launched there, but uh, we really do see this playing out as Porto being a platform that brands can uh, use to adapt their messaging to their customers uh, uh, via our offering. So how can marketers better identify the right messaging channel for the right audience? Yeah, I think what's so interesting about that is that the data is usually the thing that's giving a lot of those indicators today. And so many brands that I know that we've worked with and, uh, you know, prior to them coming to Cordial have, have struggled with, uh, decentralized data. And there's just huge Herculean efforts that go on with, uh, within organizations around how do they bring that data together and centralize it. And then from there, how do they centralize their content experience for those customers? Do both of those are two very big hurdles and, some of the the biggest or most progressive brands are, uh, I would say, a little bit ahead in terms of how they're thinking about that, and it's really about how they're thinking about the technology stack that they're investing in to support that. Um, but I, I would say it it does take some work with brands to help them uh, think differently about that process in terms of um, being able to see and understand what their customer is doing and being able to react to it quickly. That data is so nascent for so many brands throughout these different silos, and it's in many cases, it's very latent in terms of their ability to ingest it and action upon it. That I think the speed is really one of the biggest things about this. It is the consolidation, but then it's the speed with which you're uh, bringing that data into a centralized place, a platform like Cordial that can then action off of that data as well. And... I think speed is what wins in today's market for uh, for the marketer and for brands and businesses that are competing out there. So slow and steady doesn't always win the race today. <laughs> I'll tell you, we we did that with our first business back in 2000 in this market. And I think you could do that back then. I think technology did move and evolve uh, much more slowly then. But man, I uh, I don't think that's possible today. I I. I think there's a narrative there for maybe some channels and businesses out there, but I do think that speed wins and those that can adapt and move quickly and make decisions more quickly. Yeah, I, I think in the age of Amazon, I, I don't know that you can say that uh, speed isn't uh, critical to a business's success at the end of the day. So what's the number one thing marketers get wrong when it comes to conducting adaptive messaging? Uh, I would say, I would think uh, it's about the channels that they think of it in, meaning that they do think very uh, uh, in, in a very siloed manner around here's how my email experience is, here's how my mobile experience is, here's how my site experience is, retargeting, you name it. And I think the opportunity for marketers is how do you think about those more holistically and um, that a, a, a customer, a brand's customer is moving throughout so many of those channels and so much of it is often we just have to pause and even look at our own actions that we take uh, and and probably infuse a little bit of our own self-learning into that process there that uh, 
is that customers don't just look at us through an email channel, but they might move from that uh, into a mobile experience, or a mobile experience could feed into an email experience, which then could feed into a search experience that drives them to the site. And uh, I think the opportunity for brands is to um, take the idea of customer experience, messaging being a really core part within all of that, and think about that in a more holistic fashion. I think there's great opportunity for brands to, uh, to evolve there. Let's talk metrics for a minute. What are the most important metrics to track when it comes to adaptive messaging? Uh, that's a really, really great question. Um, I, I think we've lived in a day and age where uh, things like uh, uh, revenue per email uh, or um, uh, um, getting uh, site traffic or eyeballs or uh, things like that have been kind of key metrics that we've looked at there. I think that understanding LTV uh, across channels for customers uh, will continue to be a really important metric, especially as you do start to break down some of these uh, data silos and walls and you do you know, new, more progressive technologies like the cordials of the world start to uh, infuse themselves into kind of that marketing technology landscape and you're able to really see what is, what is that uh, kind of retention and lifetime value of that customer that I have across all of my channels within my business. And for those marketers looking to really enhance their adaptive messaging, what's one initial step that they can take? Uh, I think being being open to, to new ideas. I think uh, uh, trying new things is, I, I think that's one of the most exciting things uh, in technology nowadays. I think breaking some of that mold around uh, locking myself into long-term contracts with technology that may or may not evolve fast enough with either me as a brand or with my customer. And I think one of the things that uh, I love seeing and, and being a part of is uh, this idea of trying technology, kind of this proof of concept model, if you will, or being able to just try things out and see how that fits and what that does to drive an experience. Uh, for me as a brand and as a business, and then moving really aggressively when I see things that are working for me. I just think there's a really, I think there's there's neat opportunities there now that can kind of break the mold of maybe, I, I would just say some of the, the, the big guys within the space around Salesforce, Oracle, IBM, and Adobe, where it's you know, it, it's a big monolithic stack that you're you're purchasing and you're locking yourself in for multiple years, I, I just think that there's a really cool opportunity within marketing, marketing technology for brands to be able to try and do things and iterate uh, much more quickly than they ever have before. So as mentioned, you're the CEO of Cordial. Does serving as CEO versus, say, a CMO give you a unique perspective when it comes to helping marketers, in your opinion? I'd, I'd like to think so, uh, but uh, i you know, I have uh, an interesting um, kind of purview in the sense that um, I think my role is simply one to be an asset uh, to all of uh, the folks on my team as well as to our customers as well. I mean, I, I don't uh, by no means see myself as uh, being the smartest person in the room, and I, I think that would be um, that would be wrong of me to try and put myself in that seat or that position. I, I see myself as 
is a component of this conversation that uh, maybe has the luxury of just being able to participate in in all aspects of our business and obviously being able to uh, step into a lot of really, really cool conversations with our customers around how they're trying to think differently and candidly leaning on us to help them through that process. I mean, this this landscape and market is changing so quickly that that's probably one of the more exciting pieces of my job is when I get to participate with my team and with our customers around uh, almost kind of innovation lab type discussions around, all right, how, how can we use your software or use uh, the collection of software uh, tools or technology that we have within our, our business to create and craft a really, really unique and cool customer experience? I mean, I know I want that as a consumer myself, and so it's really fun to, to feel like I get to be a participant at the at the ground level of helping brands be able to do that for themselves and for their customers. I, I just feel super fortunate. I think that's a really cool opportunity for me. And in turn, participating in, the, in those conversations, I think just gives me uh, a really fortuitous opportunity to, um, to be really informed about what some of the biggest and best brands are, are looking to do out there and, and how other brands can look to adapt and improve what they're doing themselves. So keeping that consumer viewpoint in mind and being a team player, I think that's a really good point to end on. Jeremy Swift, thank you so much for joining us today and talking to us about cordial and adaptive messaging. And thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to visit dmnews.com for future podcast episodes. I'm Lise Dupre. Take care and have a great day.